For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back for one of my favorite shows of the year. In fact, two of them. So make sure you get both the offense and the defense version of this. But we're going to do our bi-week roster evaluation. And joining me for that, as always, is Brian McFarland. Brian, how are you doing? Good, Ken. How are you these days? Uh, I, I can't complain. Not one little bit. And uh, certainly Ravens had a great bye week just now. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our friends did us some favors. It always seems like end of the season, we don't get a lot of favors done for us. So, but it certainly happened uh, this weekend for sure. I mean, expecting winning teams to lose is generally kind of a fool's errand and a tough, tough thing to happen on uh, on Sundays. But the Ravens literally had a one o'clock win and game go in their favor, a four and eight, and then an eight on Monday as well. It's just yeah. perfect, perfectly time slotted for our viewing enjoyment. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great thing when you when you come off of a couple of wins and, and your bye week. Of course, you come off a Thursday win. It gives you a really nice fun weekend. Then you have another game, and then you have your bye week, and and you know you're sitting pretty at nine and three. It's kind of you can just kind of sit back and enjoy and uh, not get too worried about it. And then you know, like I said, everybody did his favors too, so it gets even better. I don't know about you. I I really hate the bye week. Uh, normally, it's if it's during the middle of the season. It's just it's too. First of all. It's too long ago without football in the middle of the year for me. I just, it's like, you know, I want a Ravens game. I want to do some analysis. I want to go to the game, you know, whatever it might be. But uh, but this, with all the stars aligned in the way they were this year, was perfect for it and and uh, obviously great results. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk defense first. Uh, we'll go through the roster, and I'll remind people the way we divide up the roster here. So we've got five categories here. The young producers, those are players on their first contract, generally producing it at a, a, a level that's well above their cap value. So a lot of these guys are already starters um, or they're very close to, to, to having that role, as you'll see as we go through this, and uh, producing a, a value that's at a higher level than what their cap cost is. Then there's a very large set of developmental players, people we hope um, can join that young producer category. They're still in the first contract, by and large. Some of them are kind of close to the end of it, and they're about, about to run out of time, but we'll talk through those guys individually. When we get there, we have veterans playing for market value. That's a lot of your cap is spent on that group. Um, so we'll talk about those. And we have veteran cap value concerns. Fortunately, the Ravens don't have a ton of those, but they have a, maybe a couple more than in typical years this year. 
and then they have transitional players who really probably will not be around. They aren't part of the 2024 plans already. Uh, I've included all the players that are on injured reserve, NFI, the practice squad, and the regular 53. I don't think I missed any lists there, did I? Those nope, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let's start talking through this. And, and Brian, why don't you bring up a player you like from the young producer category and, and, and talk about him in terms of value relative to cap, because that's really what we're discussing today. Yeah, well, and I meant to go back and look at last year's list, but I think mm-hmm. it's uh, thankfully and it's a good thing. A lot of these guys were developmental last year, if I remember correctly. Um, we weren't sure about them. A queen, certainly Queen and uh and Matabike were probably uh, on this, the young producers, but Hamilton, um, you know, Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Stevens, uh, Owe, and Gino Stone. I mean, that's a, that's a great list. Um, obviously, the, the one thing that stands out about the, that list is the three free agents. And, you know, are they, uh, you know, of the free agents they have coming into, you know, going into the offseason, how are they going to be able to maneuver with those guys? And certainly Matabike has put himself in line for a huge payday. Um, Queen certainly has put himself in uh, for a very nice payday as well. And I think Stone has as well. But but that made Matabike could be looking at, you know, 15 to 20 million a year um next year i mean what's it nine and a half sacks uh, you know you get an interior guy with that many sacks and he's obviously with five games to go still um so that's i mean so when i look at that list i, I mean i i love those names and you kind of wish you had a you know with the three free agents you had another year one more year to get out of them before free agency but um they're gonna have some you know they're gonna have some tough decisions to make this offseason and Right there, those three guys, um, it, it's really, um, you know, it's going to be really tough to keep. It's certainly be tough to retain all three, which I think is highly unlikely. Yeah, and I, I would agree. But it's it's part of the curse of being a good drafting organization that you have to make these heartbreaking decisions. And you get compensated at least with draft picks. That's the comfort food you get in exchange for uh, uh, for losing these young players. And Matthew Judon, you know, was very salty about leaving the Ravens. Some Some players... Have not been. I think Patrick Queen sounded like early in the year he was more accepting about it. We've seen some interesting tweets recently from him about uh, thinking that what was it, sixty-five million or sixty-seven million for four years is probably not enough. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, now you know, off, now the off-ball, you know, the off-ball linebacker has has uh, increased. The values increased over the last couple of years, partly thanks to the Ravens and Roquan Smith. Um, but you know, the, um, uh, so I'm sure there'll be a market there and obviously, but he did start taking off last year before Roquan arrived. And then uh, certainly things really clicked after that. So whether they were going to click anyway, or whether having, you know, having the Batman and Robin routine being not being Batman and maybe being Robin in this case has benefited him. Um, but it certainly reminds me, I mean, you know, us old timers, uh, reminds me of Ray and Bart Scott in the middle together mm-hmm. in that, uh, sixth, uh, defense where, um, Ray was holding, they were, you know, Ray was holding down the run game and, and Scott was going, you know, I think Scott almost had 10 sacks that year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of the, this, the, you know, the same, uh, bill, um, approach they seem to have now and it's it's going to be a shame that it's only perhaps a year and a half worth of it one of the things that i always talk about on my show is that the the ravens are not tapping into value 
in terms of cap that they've they've done before, and that is to have a platoon at weak side linebacker. That that they've they've done very well having players on their first contract um, at, at, on the weak side in a platoon role. They had, at one point it was a Wasso, Young, and a Dimeback um, in 2019. It was really Chuck Clark mm-hmm. was the guy who was the Dimeback then. Um, that that platoon was terrific, and it was cheap as heck. And what's more is it's it's extremely replaceable in terms of injury because those guys, the specialists, very easy and cheap to replace. Uh, and you can even do it on the fly a lot of times because the street guys can can give you you know eighty percent of the value your starter might have. Uh, and you guys, oftentimes, your great dime backs and Ozzy has a terrific record of of getting those are extremely cheap to find. Anthony Levine and uh, Corey Harris and uh, Haruki Nakamura and um, Chuck Clark, for that matter, all the guys that they've had, nobody's been higher than a six-round draft pick. Yeah, and that's true. And uh, obviously, you know, with the the new world of Lamar, you know, Lamar Lamar contract, I think you're going to have to, you know, find ways to, uh, you know, to do that. And as much as I love Queen, and as I said, as much as I love to have him around, I think, of the three, he is certainly the the one that goes, you know, is the first to go, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on that. Um, in terms of uh, Geno Stone, you know, obviously a uh, maybe we start with Matabike because I think he's the one they really want to make a deal with. I think, I would you think know, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the defensive line, a much harder position to draft for. Obviously, his uh, he's having a very extreme year in terms of sacks relative to pressures. He's been a great cleanup guy this year in terms of. Uh, really benefiting from the zone the Ravens have played and and being a guy who got their second a lot of times uh, or just had more time to get their first uh, mm-hmm. as well. But whatever, whatever way you look at it, um, his pressure rate hasn't been what Aaron Donald's pressure rate has been or, or some of the other really top guys. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's going to factor into his market value, obviously. You know, all the teams obviously have all these kind of, you know, they watch the film, they have the, you know, they have all the, you know, the advanced stats and things like that to look at. Um, but, uh, you know, 10 plus sacks is hard to, you know, <laughs> that that's just every, with every sack, every half sack he keeps getting. I mean, the, the price just keeps going up and up. And, you know, the Ravens have been a team, you know, this is our price. This is what we think you're worth. And. If you find better, more power to you, and you know we'll we'll draft somebody else and go from there. So, in the case of both Queen and Matabike, maybe Stone for that matter as well, did the Ravens give those guys a, we'll call it a somewhat low ball offer to start the bidding at for other teams, just so they could maximize the chance they get a uh, a comp pick or potentially even get the player back at a reasonable price? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know, but I, I mean. <laughs> Beauty's in the eye of the beholder when you say low ball, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think they would give them, you know, fair deal, fair offers. But he's obviously in free agency, you never know, because it just takes one team to blow you out of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We've certain, you know, we've seen edge rushers from the Ravens leave and, you know, for huge contracts you never dreamed of. And they turned out to be nothing. And then, they're, you know, but then there's the Zadarius Smith who – you know, five and a half sacks was his top as a Raven, I think, um, maybe four and a half, uh, you know. And then, you know, when Green Bay signed him for that deal, I mean, I was astonished. I'm, you know, more power to him. They were right. You know, um, you know, he, he was he was spectacular for them until he got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, that's that's just one of those things. It just takes one team to do it. Um, 
But I don't. I don't think. I mean, I think it was certainly with Queen and Matabike, there's going to be a market there. I don't think the Ravens need to push the market any. Um, and you know, they've they've certainly occasionally gone for guy. You know, brought guys back we didn't expect they were going to get back. But unfortunately, their history has often been. Um, you know, guys, guys get they get outbid or they're willing to get outbid and take that comp pick. Now, you also have to factor in, you know, lack of depth on the defensive line. They did get they did sign Washington back. Of course, he hasn't played up to that deal at this point. So that's a little problematic there. But, you know, so you got to factor that in as well. Stone, I mean, safeties are easier to replace. I mean, yeah. You look at Chuck Clark and, and Geno Stone. I mean, heck, Stone was a seventh round pick who got cut by the Ravens, cut by Houston, and we were lucky enough to get him back, you know. Um, and obviously, Clark kind of bounced around a little as a reserve and, and you know, parlayed that into a decent contract. So, you know, it been a, probably been a little nicer. I mean, Stone was, you know, was a restricted free agent this spring. Would have been nice if they had, you know, gotten him to a two year deal. Uh, you know, just to have him around for another year, which they've often done with restricted free agents. Mm-hmm. But you never know. I mean, he and his agent might have thought, well, we'll come back to the Ravens for a year. But, you know, if, if it doesn't uh, parlay us into anything, we don't want to we don't want to hang around as a reserve on a, a low ball two year deal. So Justice Hill, the big one last year, they they right. signed to a two year deal like that. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the other players because we need to we do need to get through these young producers here. Um, Brandon Stevens, the breakout uh, player probably of this young producer group, uh, just been an unbelievable fixture at, at right corner, mostly for the Ravens, but he's played almost every snap, the most of any defensive player on this team, uh, which boggles the mind relative <laughs> to how they had him starting at safety, then at slot corner. And then finally decided he was, uh, he was an ugly duckling the whole time. He belonged back on the outside where he, where he played his best ball as a, as a pro, um, could not be happier with the way that's worked out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's especially with with uh, Humphrey having, you know, up and down with injuries. Um, yeah, it's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I mean, he did give up that one chase touchdown. I think it was the first touchdown he gave up all year, but it was mm-hmm. a garbage touchdown. And that's that's a that's a play. You're never going to stop chase. On, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, you got to be really, really good uh, to stop that one. But, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been great. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's been fantastic. Um, you know, living up, uh, I know taking a, a safety at 14 is sort of, sort of, uh, you know, a lot of teams won't do that, but I think he certainly lived up to that. And, uh, and I think he's only getting better, uh, you know, and he, they can use him in so many different ways. Yeah. I, I, versatility is, is talked about, but if you really, if you really put it together, his versatility is all in one particular direction. He's, he's in, for my money, he is the single best horizontal defender in the entire NFL you look at what he can do from that nickel position, I would never move him from there. Not until not until something changed about his own ability physically that that he had to move to, to some other safety position. I, even then, I, I I probably wouldn't do it. There's no way I'd return him to strong safety and play him on the back end of a cover two, uh, as the Ravens might you know have done a couple times already this year. Rushes the passer, dives in on run plays, incredible downhill defender, great press defender at the line of scrimmage, looming presence in terms of size, and quarterbacks have to throw over that, and that's difficult. We saw a failure of Watson to do that in terms of six points. Yeah, it was that play completely designed for a tip ball interception. It was he wasn't trying to rush the quarterback; he was trying to get directly in that passing line. They tossed a bait out there of Njoku and Watson. 
went for it <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tip and catch. Uh, it, the, the the pass rushing has been, been outstanding. Uh, what he's done in terms of a tackler hasn't really shown up in terms of his total missed tackles, in particular because he's had some in the backfield that have kind of piled up on him. But when he's going to a, to a wide receiver screen to break that up, oh. there isn't anybody any better. I mean, oh, blocks yeah. don't exist. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember which game it was, but I mean, basically drove the blocker right into the receiver. So I can't get around him, but I can uh, overpower this little wide receiver and just and just muck up the works here. <laughs> it's been it's it's just been great uh, watching him play. I hadn't I hadn't bought a jersey in a long time, but I just treated myself yesterday. I did buy a Kyle Hamilton jersey. Nice, so, awesome. Yeah, so, uh, good. it's it's good. It's good timing. I always like to buy in at the beginning of a you know a, a five year deal at least. Yeah, absolutely. Adafi <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Owe. Uh, a guy who I'm extremely bullish on in terms of the remainder of the year. Uh, now, I know you're a guy I would come to for this, but it looks like the fifth-year option on him after this year could be extremely cheap, much cheaper than I would expect. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird because, um, and I'm trying to remember the details because I posted them a while back, but for some reason in the um, the fifth-year option rules, he if he, an outside linebacker is actually more expensive than an a defensive end because that all the defensive linemen are grouped together. Mm-hmm. They don't. You, you would think it would be outside linebacker and defensive end as edges. They never for some reason the NFL does not understand the term edge. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I, I don't know um, because it, there certainly should be. Uh, you know, all linebackers should not be in the franchise tag together. You know, uh, the edges should be there should be an edge category that have mm-hmm. all the pass rushers, basically. So, yeah, so it is and it's projected at this point. But uh, it, it's you know, it's a it's a pretty solid um, uh, at this point, at least pretty, pretty decent. number. I mean, it was around 12 or 12 to 14 million, I think. Yeah, we have 12. I'm seeing 12.871 million out there right now. And, okay. and I, I thought it was I, I thought it was like 7.2 million. Which would didn't wouldn't make any sense, but maybe I was looking at a different sort of number. Yeah, let me uh, let me see if I can find that tweet because I I now it's been it's it's probably been about a month ago, but actually I haven't tweeted much recently, so it might be easier to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was very reasonable, and um, and part of it was well, I mean he's not an early pick, so that made it easier. Um, see if i can find that but yes i mean it it it, you know i mean obviously they're got they have to make that decision in may um while you're looking for that i'll just go ahead and move on here and and we'll we'll talk about travis jones uh he he came out of this year as the only guy they had signed into 2024 so he's obviously very important in terms of defensive line it's one of the reasons why matabike's value is high it's one of the reasons why they went out and they signed washington where we presumed and I think correctly so from what we've what's we've since heard that they probably offered a deal to both Washington and Matabike, hoping to sign one. I, and, I would have, yeah, I would think so. I mean, they've they've certainly done that before, um, mm-hmm. and obviously, I mean, Matabike hadn't hadn't hit a stride yet, so to speak. He was certainly solid, but um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a different uh, it, it's a different dynamic now. Um, but you know, in Washington. Like I said earlier, hasn't exactly lived up to that deal. Uh, but jo- and Jones has certainly come on as well. So that's you know 
Uh, it, the question is, is he, is he more of a Washington or is he more of a Medivike? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and that I, I'm sure that factors into the Ravens thinking when looking to try to re-sign Matabike. Well, I think they're going to get a chance to try it both ways. I mean, with Michael Pierce the rest of the year, he can play, he can play some one, he can play some three. And it's something I've really wanted to see is just have both those guys on the field on some early downs and see what kind of pass rush you can generate. I know they really do want Matt Abike, sorry, not Matt Abike, Pierce on for later downs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, they've paired him up with Matt Abike. It's a good pass rush combo, but it's it's amazing how how fixed their pass rush four is, meaning those two are fixed. The other three are kind of rotate among themselves for the other two edge spots. Sure. Um, and they don't play this this rush nickel that had been the staple of Ravens defenses for the last, you know, since the beginning of the Martindale era anyway, where they had three or more outside linebackers on the field on a lot of those downs. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's obviously – and part of that is numbers because, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they didn't have Bowser and and uh, Ajabo and, you know, so um, – so that, that, you know, they basically have the three quality rushers, I guess, what you want to call it that. So, so yeah, so uh, over the cap is projecting OA's fifth year option at, you're right, 7.224 million. And that's if he's considered, uh, that's as an, if he's considered an edge, if he's considered an outside linebacker, it's, it's just over nine, 9.018. So, um, yes, very reasonable, um, and and partly because he hasn't. Um, those will go up if you've made a Pro Bowl, and those go up based on some playing time. So um, right now, um, and may I, I won't say thanks to injury, I guess, but thanks to injury, that's that's knocked him out of the playing time. Now, obviously, the more and more snaps he gets the, towards the end of the year, that could change things. And this is the case. This is, I believe, the only remaining case because the pay the pay for performance component that gets you additional money in the fourth year. That does that's just snap based, uh, and they have some other index they use, which I don't know what it is. It's not well. That, yeah, and that's that's for that's not for first round picks. Mm-hmm. So, so first round picks, but first round picks do have playing time uh, adjustment. So if he hit the playing time adjustment. Um, now, hmm. that would increase his fifth year option or his fourth year contract. Uh, no, his fourth his his fourth year stays the same. Okay, his fourth year doesn't change. Yeah. Now, interesting. That was what that's that's interesting. That's what I had tweeted um, about a month ago. But now I'm looking at it. Now I'm looking at over the cap, which is where I got it from. Right. Uh, and they're projecting it at twelve, at a little under thirteen. Which right, twelve point eight seven one is what I'm looking at. Yeah. yeah, that seems more reasonable to me, but that was they must have made some adjustment there. And that's the basic. That's that's without the playing time. If if he hits playing time, then it goes up to a little over 14. If he uh, if he makes a pro bowl, does he get that bumped to 14? Yeah, or if pro bowl gets you up to the transition tag, which is uh projected to be 20. So, but I don't think always going to a pro bowl this year, so Oh, the, I mean, Ravens fans need to be careful about their voting. It kind of sounds like. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, I mean, this is not Geno Stone's leading in the voting right now, and and he he he's not a fifth year option candidate. But I remember Patrick Queen was trying to get himself voted in last year, uh, which he wouldn't. He, I mean, he didn't get the fifth year option picked up right. anyway. But but it wouldn't have. It, you know, it it, it would just 
solidified that fact <laughs> from right. uh, from having a higher number uh, yeah, approach. Sure. But but Owe, I mean, this could be the difference from between him being in Baltimore for the rest of his career or not. If uh, the difference between whether or not he makes the Pro Bowl this year, yeah, I mean, that's it's certainly a potential there um, because yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's about a six million, almost six million dollar bump, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's certainly hope for the best. Whoever the Ravens lose out of this group, obviously, let's send them off with a ring, and and they can they can mail us back a uh, a compensatory pick from their forwarding address. That's right. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, move on. Let's move on to the developmental players because the Ravens have a fair number on defense, but it's not a really high quality group, in my opinion. It's a, it's a very mixed bag of players. And we'll go through the players one at a time. We'll just make a comment each about them, but we got to kind of keep this shared. Jalen Armour Davis, two years now in the league. Um, I, I, you know, I know there was a lot of babble or buzz. Is I guess the correct term about it in camp. <laughs> well, it turned out to be babble. I think it turned out to be babble because <laughs> the guy is definitely fast and he, and he's got the good size for for playing the position, but he cannot find the football to save his life. No, and he can't stay healthy. I mean, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean that's and uh, you know he uh, and according to you know most of the draft prognosticators, he would have gone higher had it not been for injuries. But maybe it, maybe there was other things holding him back too. And you know what was seen on tape in his college wasn't. When you play for that Alabama defense, you know your your defensive line takes a lot of pressure off of you as a corner because you don't have to guard that long. So um, so yeah, so I think. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he'll probably be around next year, um, just unless, you know, unless they draft a couple guys. But he's, you know, he's sliding further and further down the depth chart for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, the next guy on the list I have is Malik Harrison. Who, uh, sorry, Malik Ham, who is IRDTR, by the way. And I did want to talk a little bit about that. Do you think there's any chance he returns this year? Well, yeah, injury? I mean, since they DTR'd him, I think they intend to because there's no reason to to not there's no reason to do that uh except to bring him back now they've they get eight uh dtrs he would be five okay um, so here would be here would be the logical argument i'd make they say we've only used four we may as well put pepe and ham on the on the on the on the uh list to come back because if anybody gets injured now they can't there's no way they're coming back by the end of the season because it's four week minimum right yeah, four weeks, but it's also playoffs too. So okay. you could, I mean, you in theory, you could go out, you know, week seventeen, go on uh, IR week seventeen, and you'd be back for the, you know, the Super Bowl, depending yeah. upon, you know, whether you get the buy or, or the like. So I, I got, I would have to think, but at this point, it, it's a shot because they're probably not going to need three more, you know, right? And they have five edges on the current active game day roster because Harrison is a pure edge at this point. He's not anything more. He's in fact, it reshaped his body to really play that position. And I don't believe he's played a single snap at inside linebacker this year. So it's all been, you know, he's now at two, 259 pounds right. and playing, playing on the outside in the base defense and playing special teams, valuable player. I think, you know, I want him back, but right. I, he's not a guy who, uh, who has any chance of jumping up into that young producer category at this point. No, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on, um, Jeremy Lucian is one of the, play- the, the practice squad, by the way, this year, filled with a bunch of eight to ten year veterans. 
you know, it's 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 worse than ever in terms of not being a set of R slash one players that you're really you know looking to grow the 2024 roster. You know, a fertile field of young talent there. Right. It's it's you know it's Laquan Treadwell, it's the the Josh Wells, it's all of these guys who've been around the league forever, and Adams. Uh, you know, and and aren't really going to be going to be part of the twenty four roster in all likelihood. But Jeremy Lucien is one of the one of the unusual ones. Played very well in the preseason. Uh, extremely smart guy, engineering degree uh, from Connecticut and Vanderbilt. So he did that while playing football. Always impressive. Um, I actually think the Ravens think quite highly of him, and so we'll see how that plays out. But he's he's one of the very few players who's really a two thousand twenty four developmental prospect. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know they. You, you can't have enough D-backs, you know, plain and simple. And uh, it's nice to have, a, you know, at least one or two young ones around that might be able to develop into something, whether it's the next Geno Stone or Chuck Clark or, or the like. Yeah, and that's, I think, exactly what they're looking for. Daryl Worley, you know, it will still be available to the Ravens at, a, at a, I guess, a vet minimum price. And there's no reason, I don't think, why they wouldn't try and continue that relationship. But I would think Lucian is the guy who would replace Stone more than, more than likely would be. Uh, you know, Stone will be lost almost certainly. The Ravens, cert- I don't really think they can afford to play another defensive back who plays safety. I think it makes more sense for them to try and again tap into the value there. And again, you know, without Queen, then they may also be looking for a dime back. So you really want, if you consider Hamilton a safety, you, you, you have four safeties you may have on the field at some point. And that means you're going to want to have five active on game day, probably, because you don't want to be without one. Right. So it really, it changes the dynamic of, you know, what you need to hold on your roster. Sure. David Ajabo, how do you peg his career at this point? Uh, you know, I don't know what to think. Obviously, you know, we, we knew we knew last year was going to be a redshirt year for sure. Um, the fact that actually I think at the end of the year they did activate him for that three-week uh, practice period and, you know, maybe they just really did that to get him on the field a little bit. I, there was, I don't think there was any real intention to – because um, they they did not activate him, right? They did. They activated him. He they got a strip sack him. in the in week eighteen. That's right. That's right. So, um, so you know, I mean, that was a pretty you know pretty quick recovery, and you know, obviously the full off season sounded like he had a great training camp, you know, but it just never seemed to come together. He's 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 still clearly raw. He real missing last year really hurt uh, mm-hmm. in his development. I think. Um, but as a second round pick, you know, you get two good years out of him considering he lost one already. Um, so obviously, hopefully, uh, of course, I don't know what the injury is. I mean, Harbaugh, you know, hasn't really, you know, he's all right, well, they're going to make a decision. I don't think we ever heard what the decision was and they've never put him on IR. I mean, never, uh, well, actually he's on IR. So he did have surgery, I think. So they did announce that. Yeah. I missed that. Okay. So, so I, I assume it's some sort of torn Achilles or something mm-hmm. that, that that they uh, you know they took care of, and I may be I may be projecting that because obviously his first injury that's what it was was an Achilles. That, uh, I, yes. So uh, there's two, there's two things that come to mind. The first is that that he's not in a drastically different position that Paul Kruger was, with the exception. Paul Kruger had one huge interception against the Steelers in his rookie year. He had one sack in his second year, and then he became a very serviceable um, situational pass rusher. He had about 15 and a half sacks or so over his last two years with the Ravens, which, would, you know, at this point from a Jabo, they jump at, the, mm-hmm. at that uh-huh. kind of a number. But Kruger had at least been practicing that whole time. 
You know, he, he had he wasn't able to make the game day roster very often because he didn't play special teams and the roster was talented and deep and they they just couldn't find room for him. But it's but it's not the same. He didn't lose the year developmentally. Right. But now Ajabo has really lost what a year and a half of his two years in the league, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the man, like I said, he was since he was a raw prospect to start with. I mean, obviously the athletic ability is clearly there, but you can you can win in college on athletic ability a lot, but in the pros, you know your tackles are a lot different, <laughs> you know. And so, I unfortunately that you know that that time lost is is really going to uh, unfortunately come back and bite him. He might be a guy that wherever he ends up on a second contract, be it here or somewhere else, that's where you're going to get the value out of him, and it's obviously not going to be a huge contract. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think somebody will be back. I mean, it, I guess it's even possible he's the kind of guy who could resign. And it really all depends on how he plays in year four in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether he's a he's a marketable guy like J.K. Dobbins. I think he's got a better chance to play with the Ravens in 24 now than he did at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, and now, yeah, it looks, uh, you know, he, he, he could be back on a one year deal. Um, there's one other com- component of the Ajabo deal that actually relates to Andrew Voorhees this year. And I, I, I we've had this discussion in the past. And I think um, I, I, if I, rec- I, I don't want to I don't want to restate your opinion. I want you to you, you to state it for me because I want to hold you to it, even if it was before. But with Ajabo, they had an opportunity to keep him on NFI for the whole year because his, his injury happened away from the facility. It hadn't yet been drafted even. And they could have just said, OK, we're drafting you, but we're keeping you on NFI the whole year. And then you'll start your four years after that effectively. Mm-hmm. Now, this year with Andrew Voorhees, they have the same opportunity. Does their experience with Ajabo, do you think, play into any part of that with Voorhees in terms of saying, look, Voorhees, we know you thought you were a second-round draft pick. We thought you were too. But we drafted in the seventh round. We need to get value out of this pick. You're going to miss the whole year. We got to keep you on NFI the whole year and and just bring you back for your first year in, in 2024. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think, you know, I I think the big difference is Jabo was a potentially a top 10 pick, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Voorhees was, you said second, you know, but it, you know, who knows, second, third, you know, day two, you know, something. So there's, I think there's a vast difference there. Um, so I, you know, they, they, you know, they, how do I say this the right way? You know, they, they try to be a player friendly um, and not play games, so to speak, with these kind of things. A- agents will not like that, <laughs> needless to say. Um, and it would come back to bite them potentially if the if, when you know if talks come to a second contract, uh, you held me up, you made me a restricted free agent an extra year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Um, but I do, th- I just, I do see a difference between the two. Okay. Uh, so if they if they did, I mean, you know, a Jabo first round top ten talent, it still went in the second round. Wherever you want to peg Voorhees, even in the second round, he went all the way to the seventh. So now the Ravens can say, hey, look, you know, we you got paid this year because um, they are paying him some. Uh, they're paying him the um, well, they're paying basically a practice squad salary this year. Um, so- by doing that, they haven't lost anything in terms of no, because uh, it's still yeah. on NFI. Either yeah. you can pay them or not on NFI. Okay. Um, so you know, so so from that standpoint, um, you know, they basically said you you know you could be sitting in college this year not playing at all. Uh, we just lost Brian for a second. I'm sure he'll be back. 
And here he is. We, Sorry. You could be you could be sitting in college just not playing at all, or right. Or you can be here, you know, rehabbing with the professionals and getting paid to do it. Because if he's if he's in college, you know, right now, where's he getting drafted this coming May or, mm-hmm. or April? Um, and or does he have to go back to college? Would he go back? To, I don't know if he had any eligibility left, or does he go, you know, play twenty four in college still? So he's going to be playing in the pros in twenty four. So I mean, they've certainly you know done him a solid in a way. By, and they jump back into the draft to do so um, by giving up a future pick. So, I mean, they can they can make that argument, um, but at the same time, you know, I just think there's a difference there because the level of talent versus a Jabo is, 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 is totally different. Okay. And, and so, value as well, perhaps. I'm sorry, say, say that again? The, and the positional value, an edge versus a, a guard, you know. And then if you really want to go down the line, the Kari Vedvik thing was a case of <laughs> – did something kind of dumb, was in the wrong place at the wrong time in a, in a way any young man should know better. Yes. Uh, and, and definitely any young football player who has a lot to lose should be coached well enough to know better. Yeah. And, uh, and he got an NFI and I, there wasn't even a question about that one in terms yeah, of. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, let's keep moving on with some of these developmental guys. Uh, Tavius Robinson, been kind of an interesting player this year. He finally got us on the board of the sack. He's played almost 31% of the sack, of the snaps through these first 12 games. Um, in a lot of ways, his rookie year is starting from a much better point than other players who who haven't gotten playing time. And I, Jones was a guy last year got thirty percent of the snaps. I think it really helped him in terms of his development into this year. I, I I feel the same way about Robinson. I think he's got a better chance to be a better player, even though he's really only playing in base defense right now. Um, in in the future, based on having this practice time and certainly having this time on the field. Yeah, I mean he's been uh, he's been I think he's been solid. I mean obviously he's not a, a a premier rusher at this point, but he's a solid player. He seems to play the run well, seems to, um, you know, when called upon to set the edge pretty decently. Yeah. So, um, you know, I go back to, you know, I, I was, I had very high hopes for Dalen Hayes and obviously that didn't work out, but Robinson seems to be, you know, in that mold at later round draft pick that could develop. And as you said, you know, he's gotten um, some significant time to hopefully speed that, uh, you know, speed that along. And, you know, now he gets the, he'll get the next off season to, you know, to work on his body and, you know, get more comfortable uh, with what the Ravens do. So I think, I think that's certainly, uh, you know, the arrow is certainly pointing up for him. Yeah. Good, good possibility. By the way, just to- for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talking about what happened to Dalen Hayes, and then you look at Malik Ham, Tyus Bowser. Uh, the Ravens are cursed at Syme Lambecker, Vince Beagle. You know, a guy who had, had a little bit of pro experience could be a guy they brought in, but they all seem to have gotten hurt all at one time. And it's it, to me, this is makes it all that much more amazing what McDonald's been able to do with this defense without that huge flexibility outside linebacker, which drove a lot of the pass rush in years past. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's done a, he's done a fantastic job. Whether we'll be back next year or not, because 
unfortunately. Well, I guess we'll worry about that hopefully in February. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do that. If he, if it'll, it'll seem a lot less painful if he, if he uh, gets a, uh, a Lombardi. We've actually talked a lot about um, the possibility of, of a succession plan and whatnot. I think it's, it's fraught with some perils. It sounds great on paper, but uh, it just immediately changes a lot of things about Harbaugh's relationship with the team. Then, um, and 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 it's it's kind of like being a lame duck president. As soon as you as soon as you get nominated for the for your second term as president, you're kind of a lame duck. Yeah, for uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's move on. Trenton Simpson is is the next guy. We we know very little about this guy as a as an NFL linebacker. Very very little. Now next year, I I think we'll find out things, and we may find out not exactly what we thought we were going to find out. They may decide, hey, this is a guy who works well with a dime back. He's a great run and chase player. It's not the guy we want on third field on third down. Or they might find out we need somebody else for two downs here because Trenton Simpson's our guy on third down at being in the safety background and whatnot. But, I, you know, Harbaugh said he was going to be a special teams player, and that's really all he's been this year. Yeah, I mean, with 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 obviously with with Queen and, and Roquan healthy, thankfully, um, and with Harrison moving outside, um, well, actually, I guess that doesn't factor in really. I mean, I don't know who would be the first guy if, if Queen or Roquan got hurt, who yeah. would be the first guy to step in, whether they would bring Harrison back in or whether it would, Simpson would get the chance. I mean, they've, they've had this already come up this year, and it's really been um, Delshawn Phillips who's been in at the oh, right, right. position. Oh, so, right, right. Yeah. So they they'll they've you know I don't know I don't know at the mic what would happen by the way mm-hmm. I really don't know at the mic what would happen because they haven't really had that situation occur although I guess Simpson has played what probably less than twenty snaps a mic when at finish to finish up some games so far this year. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about Trace Willing, uh, a guy who has been on the practice squad. The, the reason he's on this group of the developmental is because he's an R slash one guy. What I know about the guy is not very much at all, other than he's not particularly fast. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the Ravens are trying to do with him in terms of make him a safety like they are with Jeremy Lucian, or they're trying to keep him a corner. I really don't know what their plan is for him down there. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, was he even with them? And the, he was a guy they signed after the after preseason during the season. So yeah, so I obviously I, I he's been a he's been a he's been on one or two teams already, mm-hmm. I think. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he could just be. <laughs> we got to have a body, and uh, he's, he was available, but they have kept him, so they must. You know, I mean, obviously, they you know they they shuffle guys on and off the practice squad as time goes. So, and thankfully, they I guess thankfully they haven't had the injuries that they needed to to bring him up. Yeah. So in in twenty two, he played for three different practice squads, essentially Tennessee, New Orleans, and San Francisco. So yeah. he has been around. Endorsement, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yes. So it's, it's quite a move. Yeah. Uh, Darius Washington, interesting player. And I think one of the guys that, that could still develop into something still, still only a second year player, even though this is a, actually his third season around the team, I'll call it. Um, and I, I, I noted that from the Ravens roster, though that Ravens roster, had some funny business going on with the whole Sam Mustafer situation at the beginning of the year. Um, did, did we ever figure that out, by the way? I remember asking uh, you because well, you're the yeah, only person who would know. Yeah, um, I think if I remember correctly, because I know we I, we had talked about it. Let me take a look. Um, Mustafer is considered. I think he will be. I should pull my own stuff up and stop looking at other people's. 
Right. So this uh, is his, this is fourth year in the league. So twenty through twenty three, but he might have been a draft pick. No, he wasn't. He was a UDFA in nineteen. So he didn't he didn't make the Bears in twenty nineteen that I know of, and yet he was a vested veteran when he got cut in twenty three. So which I would have thought this was his fourth season. Right. He showed up as a fourth year play on the roster, and somehow the Ravens are able to trade uh, to cut him as a vested veteran, which means handshake deal, no waiver process. That's the key distinction there. I know you know that, Brian. I'm, Oh, sorry. Just uh, so anyway, really a uh, uh, weird situation. But I'd I, I'd love to. I, I don't I don't ever remember a, a, a resolution coming on that. And I I I think I put the question into Ryan Mink at one point, and I, I know I put it into you. And you're the one who would likely know if if anybody would know. You're the one I would expect to know on that. Yeah. So yeah. So Darius Washington will be a restricted free agent next year. So he's he's he has. Because one year he spent on injured reserve, which what does count towards a year towards free agency. Okay, it doesn't, I w- doesn't give you the bump in salary, but it gives you the year towards free agency. So he should be a restricted free agent because um, we thought Mustafer would be. Um, well, actually, that was somebody else. That was somebody else last year. Now I'm thinking about, it, but right, we had thought Mustafer was in his third year, and therefore could not be cut without going on waivers. Right. Mm-hmm. But it turns out he, he had that sneaky fourth year and I'm trying to remember the details of it. I, 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 I think there was a resolution, but I don't remember that there was one of the years he, it, he was on injured reserve. Injured reserve always screws, screws up the calculation because mm-hmm. you think, Oh, that's not really a year on the roster, but it is counted as a year towards free agency. Okay, so that may be the same situation with the Ravens roster, where Ardarius Washington is showing up as a second-year player. You're saying he's really a third, including his injured reserve year, which makes him a restricted free agent in year four next year. And honestly, frankly, means the Sands are much more run out of the hourglass than I had thought, which is – that's obviously the disappointing point. Right, and and I know the if the roster says he has two accrued seasons at this point, they don't usually update that till the end of the year. So, no, this is they updated at the beginning of the year. They in camp, like they list the okay. fourth year players and whatnot. This is it's your your year of whatever you call it, year of service or whatever it is. They have they have it as two for him. And and you know if we're comparing numbers from the same list, uh, we're we're going down a real nerd alley here. But we're 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 going to do this just because it's Jalen Armour Davis is a two, and he was drafted a, a year later. Travis Jones is a two. Charlie Kolar, Isaiah Likely, Tyler Linderbaum, all twos, um, and Washington is a two despite the the year on injured reserve so anyway okay well i guess we'll we'll get that let me see what uh over the cap has him okay do they do they have him listed as a um well they actually they have one so that would make this year be two right that's that's what it, that's what the ravens say it is on their roster anyway so hmm. it would be good i mean it would be obviously yeah, no, be that preferable would i could have sworn so he was he was he came in in 20 he was undrafted in 21. Mm-hmm. And he spent that first year wasn't that first year in 21 well, remember 21 he got you would get that uh 20 and 21 you got that extra you only needed to be on the roster for one game to to an accrue a to accrue a season towards free agency that that covid role um so I would think he had to have accrued a season there. 
Let me go find that for you really quick. And we're, we're going to have to jump off this topic in, yeah. in a minute. But he did. He did. He played seven snaps in 21. And yeah. I, I, you're and that's probably just, that's right. He actually got, you know, that he got in. Um, he could have been on the 53, which still counts. So right. um, let me see. He, so he might have just been a practice squad elevation that year. It, it's possible, but that gets you in a. But that year, that's still in a. That's one game on the active roster, and that would be enough. Okay, uh, and and it wasn't actually, over, over the cap has him as an exclusive rights free agent next year. Okay, well that's that means he's a two so, this yep. year. It could have also been twenty two that he didn't accrue a season because he only had twenty five snaps, and he might have been he might have done I guess all of that by practice squad elevation. So I, that I that's possible, yeah. Okay. Anyway, fascinating stuff. We don't need to go too too deep down that rabbit hole, which will keep us here way over our hour per show limit here. Uh, The last of the guys we want to talk about is is Pepe Williams. Uh, Again, I think in a similar situation with Ham, I think they've said we're gonna we're gonna make him a prophylactic IRDTR guy because if there's an injury, we might want him. But under our current circumstances, we certainly don't need him. And I can't. I I don't know who he's bumping off the roster if you if he does return at this point. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's certainly a question with some of these guys is who are you going to drop? And are mm-hmm. is somebody, I mean, it, are you dropping for a different position and how important is that? Um, but I, yeah, I think, so I think Williams, Williams certainly makes maybe more than ham makes more sense there because, you know, we've obviously had cornerback injuries and Marlon's been kind of, you know, up and down. So mm-hmm. um, that makes some sense, but he's only got another week, I think. Um, right. Trying to remember when, because he, he they activated Ham. They just activated yesterday or, or Monday, I guess. Um, they started his three week window. What you mean by activation? Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but Pepe started before the buy, so um, uh, he so he's got to be coming up to that. They got to make a decision on him at some point soon. Probably right. probably next Monday or Tuesday, I would think at the latest. All right, we'll see how that plays out. That uh, that'll be interesting. So he might have to. If he's, can they just, if they, if they get to the end of this period, they could just say, sorry, you're on IR for the whole year. Obviously, I don't know if the would need the player's consent at that point to do that, or he's been, he hasn't been on any injury reports. So uh, I wonder if they'd look into that. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's that's a little tricky because technically you're not supposed to keep guys on IR if they're, if they're eligible, if they're eligible, come off now, you know, so you got to make some decisions. Ham, they might say, well, if we got to get, you know, got to let him go, we got to let him go. But I think Williams, they, you know, they see some promise and they wouldn't want to do that. But, but by then maybe, you know, Armour Davis or somebody like that gets the sneaky, uh, you know, falls down and the steps in a pothole in the parking lot. I'm sure there's no potholes in the Ravens parking lot, granted, but yeah, <laughs> yeah that could, yeah. that could happen. Uh, and that, I think he is at the end of the roster right now. If you're really talking about who's who's providing value, I think I think that'd be the guy. Yeah, so yeah. It could it could be Worley, I guess, if you want, because you, you you probably can move Worley to the practice squad. Right. I don't remember yeah. where he is in terms of activation. Two elevations left. Yeah, so that's that's a that's possible too. I think he has two left. Let me okay let me check on that, but. Um, so Pepe Williams, uh, was act was de- uh, designated to return on the 21st. So that's nine days plus our six days, uh, in the, so the, so yeah, so he's by, what's that going to be like Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Next, they're going to have to make a decision there. All right. Well, that'll be interesting. And I guess that 
they they'll just have to live with whatever it is. Obviously, Pepe in his second year um, is not such a talent that they couldn't, you know, uh, I, I guess risk him to waivers. But I think there probably is a chance he gets taken by somebody. I mean, the Ravens were bold enough to draft him as early as the fourth round. There probably were some other teams who scouted him and liked him then that might be interested in picking up a player like that for the back end of their December cornerback roster. Well, and, and, and teams that are out of it that are looking to next year that might, you know, that might have liked them in the draft, whether they thought fourth round yeah. or fifth or whatever. So that's 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 probably the bigger concern is, you know, one of the that's what you always worry about when it comes to December is you guys get on your practice squad getting picked off for the next year. So yeah. um, by those teams, this, I know Washington did that to us on with a couple guys over the not recently, but you know, five six years ago, they, it seemed like every December they were picking a guy off of their off their practice squad. Yeah. All right. Um, so that takes care of all the developmental players. And uh, like I said, the, the common thread running through this seems to be there's just not a lot of really young, outstanding talent. You look at this. I think the best players in the group are probably um, Lucian, who has potential four year value, Ajaba with two year value, you know, of a good player. Uh, Robinson with uh, with still three years left to play with the Ravens and Simpson with three years left and at a position of need. Um, and then I guess, you know, you go down to Washington and Williams after that. And honestly, I don't there's not a whole lot of star potential in that group. Um, not as much as I would like to have in a developmental group. Yeah, for sure. That, that kind of goes back to what we said what I mentioned in the beginning last year. Uh, you know, the last time we did this, and I guess in the spring, a lot of the developmental guys were, have now jumped up into the producer category. And I, but I'm not sure that any of these guys are going to follow that. Hopefully, Robinson and, and Jabo and Simpson, but other and well, maybe Pepe Williams. But other than that, I don't see a whole lot of uh, uh, nobody to hang your hat on for sure. So let's move on to the veterans playing for market value category. I've got 14 guys in this group. There are a whole lot of free agents in here, a few guys who are signed. Let's start with the guys who are signed because there's really nothing to talk about in terms of these guys. Marlon Humphrey, uh, uh, Roquan Smith, Roderick Washington, Marcus Williams, and that is it. Just those mm-hmm. four. The other guys, the other 10 are all free agents. And it's an interesting group. And some guys, boy, the Ravens, some guys they can probably get back pretty cheap and other guys are going to have to pay more for. So I'm going to name all the names and then you jump in and pick a guy you think maybe the Ravens ought to try and go out and make a deal for. And what do you think it would cost them? But uh, the 10 guys are Clowney, Darby, Mallette, Delshawn Phillips, Michael Pierce, Kayvon Seymour, Brent Urban, Kyle Van Noy, Daryl Worley and Rock Yassin. Yeah, I mean it's a tough list because you, when you think about it, I mean you know they got looking starting with the two edge rushers. You, you know you got Clowney and Van Noy late. I mean Van Noy really late during the season. Um, I'm not sure that can happen. I mean certainly Clowney seems like he's had a renaissance, um, but I mean he's played. You know he's obviously played well at different spots at different stops. I should say before. Um, so those guys, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, they, but even, I mean, they've, they've gotten guys, uh, you know, Pierre Paul last year came in and played reasonable, not as well as these two guys, but played reasonably well. And he, I mean, he just recent, he just signed someplace recently. I mean, signed to a practice squad. So uh, it, it's one of those 
funny things that I'm not sure I can figure out how these guys stay on the market so long. And then it seems like when they come to the Ravens, they produce. Does, mean, does it seem like the Ravens have tapped into something that's a real opportunity in older edge rushers, a position of tremendous cost? And boy, if there's ever an ever 20, 80, 20 rule that would really help you, it's an edge rusher. If you can get that guy at, at literally 20 percent of the cost, not just a figurative 20 percent where it's really 55 percent. Uh, but, you know, getting guys like Connie and Van Noy. Is it something the Ravens say, you know what, we think we can tap that value year after year because we're basically scheme driven and we can do better than the teams that need to have one on one winners all the time? Yeah, and perhaps. And and also, you know, if if a Jabo can come back and be healthy and, and start producing and you have Owe, then, you know, you're, you then you've got a rotation. So you don't need a guy who's going to play, you know, 80 percent of the snaps out there on the edge. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, I think they've been able to do that. Um, numbers wise, I mean, I would think, you know, Van Noy might be a guy kind of in the Justin Houston mold where you can, you know, you can get him back, you know, in June or July um, at a relatively, you know, reasonable price. I think Clowney's price will go up. I mean, they what they got Clowney for this year was ridiculous <laughs> in a way. I mean, I was shocked when the numbers came out. Um I mean, I mean, he got far less than what Houston got in. Did Houston go to Carolina? Where Carolina, yeah, Carolina. Um, so you know, another name on there. Uh, you know, Millette seems like a guy you'd like to keep around. Um, you know, nothing super, but uh, you know, solid guy. Um, and Do Michael, you have to pay more than the vet minimum for him? Probably a little more, but I don't, you're not like you're going to five million or something like that. You know, he might be a guy with incentives. You know, two, two and a half million, maybe three. Um, I think then, that's too high. I, I, Mike, he had two hundred thousand guaranteed this year on a vet min contract. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet he could be had for two years at a five hundred thousand dollar premium to the vet min. So I mean, years, you know, maybe. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a question whether they want him back, and obviously how he finishes this year out. Um, mm-hmm. He came, came off of a kind of a down year in Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. Ideally, he comes this he ends this season on an up note, um, yeah. so that may factor in a little bit. But he, he's certainly they're not. I mean, he's not going to break their bank or their budget, and they're not going to do it for him either anyway. But um, so, and then you know, the interesting one of the I think. Probably the most interesting name on the list. Uh, Clowney's probably the most interesting, but Michael Pierce is, um, you know, I mean, for, you know, for having basically not played for three years now, um, he's he's been, uh, you know, one of the best players on that defensive line. Certainly, I mean, obviously Matabike's, you know, as far as interior, but, um, you know, and of course. You know, it's one of those things they did at the time, but they took the year off. He was supposed to be under contract for next year at a relatively reasonable price. But uh, as a part of getting him to restructure his deal, take a pay cut because he hadn't played in three years. And what he played one game did last year or did he get hurt in the second or third game? It was, I think, very I think it was the second game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, that that one can, you know, you could think it, it, it was the right thing to do at the time but it's one of those that comes back and maybe bites you in the butt because he might um obviously he's got his baggage of you know of being overweight and you know i mean even even this year i think he was they were there was talk he was overweight back in may you know um 
but he, he might get a little bit of a payday there, a little more than we would think. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to start with a couple of things that I think make him a better play for the Ravens than for other teams. The first is that you mentioned is the weight. They list him at 355 pounds. And by the way, the Ravens use their roster in a punitive manner on certain <laughs> players. So they, they will list a player's true weight when they're pissed off about his weight. So they put <laughs> Pierce in there at 355, and they put um, Ben Cleveland in last year at 370. You know, right. he, he showed up way out of way out of shape. So they've done some of that stuff. And, you know, they'll let the player play them, play themselves into a better weight the next year. I honestly think with Pierce, they've just they've just said, you know, OK, well, you know how you were when you came to camp at almost 400 pounds and you just couldn't move. That's not acceptable. We're not really happy about 355, but you've proven you can play at it right now. I think they just let him let him ride at 355 pounds and they stop being completely worried about it. Now you still have workout bonuses uh, mm-hmm. for a player like Pearson. You'd still probably have some sort of um, per game roster bonus. You'd want to give him right to, to de guarantee some of his money, but you also give him or give him place time incentives, which is the other side of that and just pushes that money into 25. Um, I, I I can't even begin to place what they'd have to pay a player like Michael Pierce, who it's not a it's not really apparent there's an obvious market for him around the NFL at his age and weight. Yeah, and I mean, and again, you know, they know him better than anybody else, and he's he's kind of seemed to have obviously thrived here. Um, I mean, you know, his Minnesota. Well, he was there one year, and then the COVID year, and then they cut him. Um, so they they weren't particularly happy with him. Um, so I was trying to remember, he's actually, is he even 30? Yeah, he's, he's, he is, um, hold on. Let me get the roster up here again. Michael Pierce was, he's 31, 31. Um, so yeah, I mean, so he's starting to get up there for sure, but I mean, this might be his best season of his career. Yes. It's his, it's his most snaps. And and in some ways he reminds me of Pernell McPhee coming late in his career, the Ravens, and he'd just been a, 15 and 20 snap a year guy the last couple of years before he did. And then all of a sudden, first of all, he's the Ravens best run defender. He's also the Ravens best pass rushers. They need him on the field every snap they possibly can. That's kind of where they are with Pierce right now. He's not a Mm. traditional nose tackle in the sense that you only want him on, on run downs. He used to be that early in his career. That's what it was. Now he's a pass rusher. Yeah. All right. Uh, A guy I wanted to talk about was Rock Yassin. Any chance he's back with the Ravens next year? You know, it's interesting because he seems to be falling down the depth chart. Um, and he was the, you know, he was the first veteran to sign. I mean, it seems like Darby's getting more, mm-hmm. uh, more time. And, you know, even some of the younger, well, Millette, um, obviously different roles perhaps. But um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I think he's probably what he got. I think he got like two and a half million or more, maybe three. Uh, uh I, I'm Ronald Darby. Yes, it's it's something like that. It might be two and a half million. I think I'll look it up. But so, um, he's probably good looking at a vet unless he you know starts getting a lot of playing time here and and uh, you know shines. I think he's a guy that's looking at a vet minimum deal next year, be that here or somewhere else. Uh, he and he fits very well here. He's done. He's played extremely well. One point seven million actually this year. So. Vet Venom doesn't doesn't seem unreasonable. I wouldn't think you know he's older, but I wouldn't think a two year deal with a you know four hundred thousand dollar premium to the vet men would be bad either. 
to harvest some special teams value. And boy, you really, really want to have a bullpen for those cornerbacks. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, you'd like the, the nice mix of veterans and and young guys for sure. Uh, let's see. Anybody else we need to talk about here? Brent Urban, I think he's back. If he wants to come back on the defensive line, we'll see if the if the Ravens really have a spot. But a lot of these guys, they're fungible on the outside of the roster, meaning they can create, they can be part of handshake deals that create the three or four or five extra roster spots the Ravens like to carry on an annual basis. Yeah, absolutely. And Urban seems like, you know, even though he left there for a little bit, he seems like a guy that lo- loves Baltimore and. Um, fits a good role of a you know guy that can give you some decent you know some decent number of snaps, but um, you know and 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 you're not you don't feel too bad when you gotta you know send somebody you know get somebody a breather. All right, I think we did a good job on the veterans here. How about we move on? Those are the, those are the guys who are playing for market value. We got one guy on the team who's a cap value concern. It's an interesting case because his cap. Is not being his salary is actually not being paid this year. Is Tyus Bowser who has a I think a four and a half million base. So you're basically you're saving two hundred fifty thousand per week by by not paying him. Yes, yeah. Each week um, they he he started on the cap. He started at the four and a half uh, mil, but each week he's not on. They get a credit for two hundred fifty thousand, and at this rate, it looks like they're going to get the whole amount. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure what's going on there. Um, it seems. The whole thing seems kind of odd, um, but it is what it is. And if it continues this way to the end of the year, I would think there's a good chance he's not here next year. Um, uh, it just seems like there's some kind of disconnect going on there, um, you know, for what. And the fact that they're not paying him, I mean, usually guys on NFI, if they're veterans, you're paying them. If they, Terrell if Suggs. Yeah, exactly. Um, if they're a guy that's, you know, an integral part of your team, you're usually not going to piss him off unless he's pissed you off. <laughs> Maybe the right way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it hasn't it hasn't seemed like things are right. And and one of the things whenever Harbaugh defers injury talk to the player, he said, I mean, first of all, Harbaugh's first thing is. Don't answer any injury questions. Those are those are my turf. I don't want you saying anything about injury questions. And I wish Harbaugh himself would, in some ways, take his own advice because, uh, you know, you, we we both understand legal situations and contracts. But when we acquired companies, you know, one of the things we'd always impress upon the people that are involved in due diligence and other components of acquisition were our only comment must be no comment. So right. you can't, it means you can't say anything about it in either direction. Mm-hmm. No, we're not looking at that. That's not part, they're not part of the equation. No, you can't talk about that. And in Harbaugh's case, he can't talk about, yeah, I'm just, I'm really optimistic about both of them returning this week. His his only comment needs to be no comment. I'm not talking about injuries, guys. You can't ask right. me injury questions. Right. Um, so, and and then it, it wouldn't seem, he wouldn't ever have to be salty with a player like Bowser. It would just it, it would just be a, a matter of I'm sorry guys there, I, you know my rule about injury questions we're not going to talk about them right uh, I think Belichick does a pretty good job with that you know you already have the list you guys try and interpret that I think is a reasonable way to talk about that but you know Harbaugh is very protective of the information except when he's giving it away himself and right. that's <laughs> and that's usually it, that's usually telling because it's it's a situation he's not he's clearly not happy about so. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, and, you know, with him, with Bowser, you know, you're looking at five and a half million in cap savings next year, which uh, is a nice little chunk of change that they're probably going to need. And maybe that gets them enough 
you know, cap number for a guy like Matabike or, you know, you know, as a first year cap number or something like that. So, or at least mm -hmm. a good portion of it, if a cap number, you know, a first year deal for Matabike is like seven and a half million, then you've got most of it there from releasing Bowser. Now we, we have to look at Bowser's um, total contract a little differently. And obviously five and a half million for the Tyus Bowser of old and four and a half million this year would have been the bargain of bargains yeah. in terms of what he really, you know, gives the, gives the team. But also they paid him a big signing bonus. And so that signing bonus for the, the portion that was prorated into years three and four, it's not dead money uh, for, for 23 technically, but it effectively is dead money because they, they've they've paid him that a long time ago with a portion prorated to this year. And they didn't get value for that for that. And the same goes with the 2024 salary. Obviously, if they cut him, they well, they don't accelerate the money. They just they it's it's yeah. due next. It's effectively cap a cap hit at the beginning of next year. Um, but either way, they they eat it um, uh, at this point. And you made the point that if he stays on NFI the whole year, that his contract does not. I always forget what the direction the word toll goes, but toll yeah. means his contract does not advances still to the final year. Yes, it only it only tolls in the if it's the final year. So if this if this was the final year of his deal, then they'd still have him under contract for next year. But since it's the third of the four years, it doesn't toll. Since you are the brilliant legal mind here, can you take me through the etymology of the word toll and why I should remember it as that's the way it works? Okay, toll just means that this year didn't happen. Uh, if it's the fine if this is the final year of the deal. This year didn't happen, and next year becomes this year, if that makes – if I said that the right way. Okay. So do, do you know what it comes from? Is it from a tolling of a bell or something that, that you know, the, the bell has to ring again or something? I've, I'm just trying to understand or come up uh, with some rule in my head. You know, I, I, yeah, I've uh, – yeah, how did the yeah, the bell tolls for the yeah? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I it's one thing actually. There's two things I've learned in life. I'll be real quick about this. That that I I was very frustrated about the way I was trying to taught, and my parents always used to correct my grammar because I never really got the use of um, Victor and me or Victor and I correct. Mm -hmm. And what they had to really tell me was just drop Victor out of the out of the situation. He's my brother. Mm -hmm. Drop Victor out of the situation. And and if it's if it's I yeah. or me, you you know right. then. Well, teach me that way, damn it! Don't just correct right. my grammar and tell me Victor and I. It's Victor and me right. in this case. <laughs> and the, the other one that just pisses me off like nobody's business is why do they try and teach kids base numbering system before you learn exponentiation? Binary, you know, base 10, base six, if you want to learn that, is really easy to learn if you understand exponentiation. And it's almost impossible to learn if you try and learn by the number, the people on the island with the six fingers. I just, I, I've, I've never understood why it was taught that way. And why, now I'm angry retrospectively about it being done that way. <laughs> right. All, right. All right, we'll move on. Transitional players. I have eight players in this group. Um, I, I don't see any of these guys as necessarily having any role for the Ravens, but maybe one will at some point. Andrew Adams, who's a veteran safety, who's been activated once. Uh, Roy Bravion, a defensive lineman. Jeremiah Moon has been active. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, who's still on that weird NFI designation. Now he, he, his contract did toll, so he uh -oh. will be under contract for the Ravens next year because it was a one-year wow. deal. And is it guaranteed, too? No, no, no. So that was the weird thing where, what was it? They, he, they, he, at the beginning of training camp, he didn't disclose an injury or something. So they cut him and then re-signed him the next day. I think probably as an olive branch to his cousin Lamar. Um, 
but by resigning him and putting it back on NFI, it was basically they basically redshirted him for a year. Um, okay, so- now I didn't realize what I didn't realize that color behind it. So they actually cut him, then they resigned him. And if it wasn't a case of they caught him and he said, "Wait a minute, I'm hurt. You can't cut me." No, no, no. Okay. They, he, he let he let him. I mean, it, he was on board with it seemingly. Huh. Uh, well, and because he could, I. I have to figure if he had re-signed and they put him right back on NFI and he wasn't expecting that, there would have been a grievance. Um, so, you know, it was just, and I mean, he was, you know, he was a, a second round pick. Was he originally for the, for the Raiders, right? Pick. I think he was with the Raiders. I think he was a pretty high pick or was he somebody before the Raiders, but I think he was a pretty high pick. So he's, he's, I mean, he's a guy, you know, he's on this list, but he'll be back next year. And he might be a guy that could turn into something. Who knows? But he's a guy. It's worth a shot, you know. Okay, very interesting. So, you know, a long, a long corner. And uh, yeah, it was was originally the Oakland Raiders in in 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's that's interesting and very good color. I'm glad we had you on. <laughs> Just that, it's worth it. Rashad Nichols, a defensive lineman. Uh, a lot of people thought he maybe could have gotten a chance, maybe even to make the team um, this year, but uh, but no. And I think at, at this point. Uh, he's he's probably a practice squad guy you keep around and try and get some elevations from. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then Josh Ross is the last guy who's probably the closest to being a possible uh, guy who makes the team. But he's now got he's he is in his second year, right? So the clock started for him, and he get he has a second year of. Well, he's on the practice squad, right? So, yeah. So he doesn't, and he's only been up for one game this year. So. Yeah, so he he would still be considered a second year player. He was he was on the roster though. Was he on the roster last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah he I has think won so. a crude season. Yeah, he has won a crude season, um, but he's on. So yeah, but he's on the practice squad this year. So he'll still have two years, two cheap years, and then potentially a uh, restricted free agent year if if he hangs around that long. So he, there's some you know some dollar value there, as, as you know that a cheap dollar value, I guess I should say. Who would be your guy among these six who you think that the Ravens might uh, has the best chance to create a little bit of value for the Ravens? I mean, I think I think you're right. I think Nichols is probably the one. Um, then Ross and Mullen. I think you know Mullen's kind of that uh, shot in the dark kind of maybe he you know turns a corner and you know sometimes he just you need to get out of off the Raiders. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know you need to get away from the bad team and get with a team that has some good culture and you know and that, that helps so um so yeah so but i think nichols is probably especially with with a lot of free agents on the defensive line i think there's you know potential opening there for him if he can put together a good training camp next year all right very good very good brian always a pleasure to talk football with you going through this roster uh, evaluation with you is one of the things i look forward to every year tell folks where they can talk football and find your work online Sure. So um, on, um, well, like we'll call it X. I'm still not used to doing that. And I still don't like doing that. But uh, on Twitter slash X, um, I'm at Raven Salary Cap. And then my articles are and uh, cap rundowns and, and the, 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 all the numbers are on Russell Street Report. And um, pretty quiet time for me at this point. Um, thankfully, uh, hopefully along, I won't need to write any articles, uh, any preview articles until we get to February. Uh, but if something happens before then, uh, my articles come out very quickly um, and, you know, give a preview of what's to come for the next offseason.
it usually like, the way I always remember it is basically the day after the season ends, you've got a building the t- 2024 roster article ready to go. I uh, usually, yeah, I've been, I didn't get a chance this, this, this time, but, and this would have been a late bye week. I usually try to use the bye week to, you know, get the framework of it together. But, yeah. um, so, but this, it didn't happen this time. So I'll have to rush it through when I, when I need to pull an all nighter. <laughs> Outstanding stuff. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DM's always open on Twitter. You know the rules by now. Really appreciate all the submissions during this bye week. There's still time. I'd love to record some shows, even if they have to go in the can and be uh, come out a couple weeks from now. Uh, anyway, send me a DM. I'll get right back to you. We'll discuss your idea and see if we can mold that into a, a short discussion topic of 15 to 20 minutes. Brian, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Anytime, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.